Well, guess what? I just got a text message from Steph Sia, who she and her husband uh, led us in worship this morning, and she said, we forgot another graduate. Heather Mack has graduated from Ambrose University, uh, and I believe her degree is in English literature. So congratulations. She did that in very, very complex circumstances, uh, raising a family and all of that. So congratulations to Heather as well. Well, how many of you like coffee? You like coffee? I love coffee, uh, but I don't drink it all day. I like it first thing in the morning, and I like it, uh, you know, about mid-afternoon sometimes. But I like my coffee in a particular way. I like to have a a, a little bit of muffin uh, with my coffee, and uh, I also like to have cream with my coffee, not milk, not skim milk. I mean, you might as well not put anything in at all if you're going to use skim milk, right? But I like cream. It gives it kind of a full-bodied kind of a texture. It tastes better, at least to me it does. But what I don't like is coffee mate. So don't drink this stuff. Uh, Just do not put this into your body. Uh, I just, this is just fake. And uh, it it is a, it's supposed to be a substitute for the real thing, but it is not the real thing. And I can tell if someone gives me a cup of coffee, it's got coffee made in it, I can tell. If it doesn't have cream in it, but it's got milk, I can tell the difference. Well, uh, it's the same way with us as human beings. Nobody likes a phony. Uh, it's easy usually to spot a phony. If you feel that someone's coming on to you like they're playing you uh, or they're trying to sweet talk you, they're trying to manipulate you, flatter you in order to get you to do something or to buy something, that doesn't feel very good. Kind of like this guy here. How many of you would buy a used car from this guy? Now, why is it that used car salesmen always wear checked jackets? Uh, anyway, I, I remember years ago when I was a drum heller, I used to ha- wear a black and white checked jacket when I preached. And when I look at it now, I'm really embarrassed. I'm like, look like a car salesman. Anyway, um, but we don't really trust people if we feel that they're too slick or if we feel that they're trying too hard to impress us. Or if we find ourselves in an environment where there's a spirit of um, secrecy, Um, where there's a subtext to things that are being uh, said, where we feel like people are hiding who they really are from us. Um, And if that's true in the world, then how much more true is it in the church of Jesus Christ? Um, We are disciples, followers of Jesus. And we need to be true to our identity in Christ. We represent Him. People will determine what they think about Jesus by what they think about us. So over the last several weeks, we took a little bit of a break for Easter, but I've been preaching on these uh, new core values uh, for First Church of the Nazarene and um, here in Calgary. And uh, so the core values are aspirational. So people said, well, are these really our core values? I'm going, they may not be the core values we possess uh, and exemplify right now, but they are really the core values that I believe the Lord wants for us. And that's why I've used a lot of scripture with this, because I believe that if we are really to be the church that God wants us to be, that we'll live out these core values. And so here they are, 
We pray first. We dare to believe. We pursue peace. That means in our relationships. We keep the main thing, the main thing, which is Christian discipleship. We put others before ourselves as servant leaders, and we give our best. Today, I want to talk about the seventh and the last of the core values, and it's not the least important by any means. It's authenticity. We keep it real. When people come to a church, they're looking for something real. They're looking for something that has the ring of truth that resonates with them. And they go, you know what? I just really sense that God is here and that this is a place where I can find the truth. My own story is interesting. I, um, I, I met my wife, Colleen, when I was 23 years old. It was the fall of September of uh, 1973. Uh, and I learned pretty quickly that she was a Christian raised in a Christian home, a Nazarene, Church of the Nazarene home. And uh, she kept trying to get me to go to church. Finally, I did. And the first experience that I had with her church, which was Crescent Heights Church of the Nazarene, a medicine hat, Danny Gales, many of you know Danny, was the pastor at that time. And so the first thing I went to was a Christmas banquet. And I felt nervous. Uh, I did it for her because, you know, I really liked Colleen. So I did it for her. I wanted to impress her with my openness. And so I went to church to this Christmas banquet. And one of the first people I met was Bonnie Hole. And she just threw her arms around me and welcomed me. And you know what? I had long hair. I was, I think to, to them, I looked kind of disheveled. I had bell-bottom jeans, you know, with tears in them and patches and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I was pretty impressed with that because they just loved me. Then I went to their New Year's Eve party. It was at her, my in-laws, Hugh and Jean Belcher, my wife's parents. They hosted this thing. It was, a, it was a New Year's fellowship in their home. And they met downstairs in their very, very large uh, lower floor. And uh, what they did right before midnight, I don't know, it was 11 or 11.30, they all got in a circle and they said, let's all just share what we are grateful to God for this year. And they just went around, not, you know, like this in order, but just people, popcorn testimonies. And some of them got kind of emotional and talked about some of the trials that they'd experienced. But as I sat there listening, it had the ring of truth and authenticity. Do you know how I spent my New Year's Eve? Because I played in a rock band. I played my, I, I, I spent my New Year's Eve usually not drinking, but providing music for people that were dancing and drinking at these New Year's Eve parties. I played in the band. This was the first time I had ever experienced something like this, and it had, it just resonated with me deeply, so much so that Danny Gales could still remember this. I believe he still can. But I went up to him and I said, I'm thinking about becoming a Christian. And, and I really was at that point because it was so authentic. Well, then, soon after, guess what I did? I went to church on a Sunday morning. Now, you got to understand, I played in a rock band. So, you know, this, this is like the Beatles. This is like the Rolling Stones. This is Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Cream, you know, uh, all of that. And so I go to church, and everybody's there with their hymn books, and there's an organ and a piano, and they're going, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. And, you know, honestly... To be honest, it was very, very strange for me. 
I kind of knew what church was like, but being in the midst of that was very strange. It was foreign to me. So you might say, well, why did you keep going? Two reasons. I really like Colleen. (laughs) I needed to impress her. But there was something, honestly, that was deeper than that. It had the ring of truth. I really sensed that these people, even though the music was not something I was used to, uh, none of it, the way people dressed in their Sunday best, you know, the ladies came in these really nice dresses and hats and stuff like that. Uh, It was authentic. I just really didn't, I didn't sense that there was anything phony about them, and that kept me coming. And so we all know that if all else fails in the church, I mean, if, if there's feedback and the music is bad and the preaching is mediocre and all that, guess what? If all else fails, authenticity will cover over a multitude of sins. If we're authentic, and I would actually say this, this might be, this is up there in terms of the importance of these seven core values. Um, we can overlook a lot of shortcomings if we think that people are keeping it real. And so that's what this is. The core value is, is we keep it real. I want us to be able to say that here. At First Church, we keep it real. So the Bible has a lot to say about being genuine, being authentic. And that passage that Alex Noel read to you is all about that. So Jesus said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Don't do it as a performance where it's all about you. He says, so when you give to the needy, he says, when you're giving your offering, don't announce it with trumpets or like a, a drum roll as the hypocrites do. Jesus has a name for people who are fake. In the Greek, it's the word hypocrites. That's where we get the word hypocrite. And it was a word that, uh, that came to refer to an actor, on a stage actor, where they would wear a mask. That's what they did back then. They, they would wear a mask. And he said, that might be fine in a drama or in a theater production, but it's not fine if you're just play acting all day long. And so these people that Jesus called hypocrites, they were the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees of his day. They were the religious leaders. And they were guilty of what we could call religious exhibitionism. They would announce their giving with trumpets. They would go on the street corner. Now, in a, in a holy city like Jerusalem, now you'd look pretty weird downtown Calgary if you did this and prayed out loud. You know, you might look a little weird. It's okay if you do that, but it, it might look a little strange to people. But in Jerusalem in that day, it was, that was just what they would do. They were showing off their eloquence. And then they fasted in a conspicuous way. When they were fasting and were going without food, they would make it obvious to others that they were fasting. And so people were like, oh my, you are so holy. They were doing it to win the approval of others. And so that was just an ostentatious display that God just took such a dim view of. And so it really, for these people that Jesus was criticizing, it wasn't about God. It wasn't about the glory of God. It was about them. And there's always a danger in today's church. And you know what I'm talking about. Um, Where worship centers become entertainment centers. Where preachers become cheap performers. Take a look at this picture. I hope I haven't offended anybody. But not one of my favorites. 
where the whole thing quickly becomes a form of theater designed to entertain and to titillate people to scratch itching ears. Where worshipers attend the church of their choice based upon who's got the best show in town. It becomes just a charade. It becomes a sham. And so hypocrisy is is really a place where we're being false and where we lie, maybe not in words, but we're lying about who we are and what we've done. We're creating a false impression. All we're doing is trying to keep up appearances. Look what Jesus says about the scribes and Pharisees. This will come up on the screen. He says, Jesus said to the crowds, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, he said, they sit in Moses' seat, they're in positions of authority. He said, so be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Everything they do is done for people to see. You know, the reason they're doing it is they're, they're looking for applause. And so he says, don't be like that. For them, it was about, too many of them, it was about the image that they were projecting. They weren't all like that, but there were a number of them that were like that in Jesus' day. Now, some of you might remember this movie, uh, Bruce Willis, and this movie was released, I believe, in 2000. Bruce Willis um, was the lead actor in it, and it's called The Kid. And in this movie, uh, Willis plays the part of a high-powered image consultant by the name of Russ. Now, Russ's job as an image consultant is to help celebrities project the right image. He would give them kind of like a personal makeover. And so Russ is just about two days or so away from his 40th birthday, and this is a bit of a fantasy. What happens is he meets up with his eight-year-old younger self, Rusty. And even though Russ, the older Russ, appears to be the epitome of success, the younger Russ, Rusty, isn't too impressed with how he's turned out. At one point in the movie, the kid, Rusty, asks his grown-up self to describe what he does for a living. Finally, after hanging around with the older Russ for a couple of days, the kid figures out for himself what his older self actually does for a living as an image consultant. And in a very poignant scene in the movie, this is what Rusty, the eight-year-old Rusty, says. So you help people lie about who they are so they could pretend to be someone else. That's the definition of hypocrisy. So in verse 1 of this passage that Alex Noel read, Jesus tells his disciples that if you act like a hypocrite and you're just wearing masks all the time and you do everything for show to keep up appearances, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus said they would have no reward. There is a reward, the Bible says, for being faithful. And so he says in the next few verses, he said, when you give to the needy, don't announce it. Don't make a big show of it. He said, these people, truly I tell you, he says, they've received their reward in full. He says, when you pray, don't go on the street corners and make a big show of it. He said, truly I tell you, those that do this, they've received their reward in full. He says, when you fast or you're doing something sacrificial, 
for the Lord. He said, don't disfigure yourself. And he could have probably said, and don't complain about it and draw attention to yourself. He said, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. He called them hypocrites because these, I'm going to call these acts of piety. These acts of piety didn't come from the heart. It wasn't really who they were. They were just playing this role, um, and it very, very quickly became self-serving. And so he says, they've received their reward. And you know what their reward was? They got the applause of people. They got what they wanted. In this life, they got the approval of people. They couldn't wait for the approval of God on that day when we will stand before him, and he will say, well done, good and faithful. They couldn't wait. No, I want it now. And so they're winning the approval of people. And so they did a lot of things right. That's why in Matthew 23, Jesus said, you know what? They sit in the seat of Moses in the positions of authority. He says, so do what they tell you to do, but don't. He said, do what they tell you to do, but don't follow them. Don't follow them. He said, because they do these things for the wrong reasons. To do the right thing for the wrong reason is hypocrisy. God, we know this, does he look at the outward appearance or does he look at the heart? You know the answer. God always looks. We are concerned about outward appearance. You know, I dressed up today a bit. I didn't wear a tie, but I dressed up just for the sake of color. (laughs) But you know, God doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about that nearly as much as we do. What he really cares about is what's underneath the surface and what's behind that mask. So doing the right thing for the wrong reason doesn't pass muster with God. It's all just false piety. So Jesus tells us how we can demonstrate true piety. If you want to be truly spiritual, This is what you do. And this is found in the next several verses here, beginning at verse 3. It says, when you give to the needy, now when you're giving, whether it's your tithes and offerings, whether it's to some other charity or to the needy, to the poor, he says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's just using a figure of speech. So that your giving may be in secret. That's true piety. That's real spirituality, is being willing to do it when no one's watching except your Father in heaven. He said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Pastor Blaine led us in a wonderful prayer this morning, but I know that he's a man of prayer. He prays in his closet. There's nothing wrong with public praying. There's nothing wrong if if you happen to be eloquent. But if we just pray that way in public and we just don't spend time with God in private, folks, there's something wrong with that. He says, when you fast, he says, put oil on your head and wash your face. Basically, what he was saying is, don't look like you're fasting. Don't try to get the gaunt look. Don't complain about it. Don't draw attention to it. So in all these examples, these three examples, Jesus ends by saying this, then your father, so if you do, if you practice true piety, you do it in secret, you're willing to do it in secret when no one's watching, he says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
Your Father will reward you. It doesn't matter if people criticize you. It doesn't matter if you're unappreciated for what you've done. It doesn't matter if anybody noticed. And I know many of you here today, maybe all of you understand this really well. So thank you. God does not look at the outward appearance. He doesn't care about that. He cares about the heart. So that's what the core value of authenticity is. It's about keeping it real. So here's what, here's what this looks like if you want to be truly authentic and keep it real. Number one is you practice what you preach. You're not pretending to be something you're not. You don't say one thing and do another. You practice what you preach. We all understand that. Second thing is you give your best even if no one's watching. It's not like I give my best when the crowd is big. Well, I'm going to really practice because I'm going to have a bigger crowd. No. If there's two people or if there's 200 or there's 2,000 or 20,000, you give your best effort because guess what? You're doing it for an audience of one at the end of the day. It's all about His glory. Whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. If you're eating alone and you're drinking alone and there's no one else there, you do it for the, you say, how can I do that for the glory of God? I know how you do it. You give thanks and you express gratitude to God for the food that He's given you. Um, it's an audience of one. So you, you practice what you preach. You give your best even if no one's looking. You won't be two-faced. If you got a problem with somebody, you don't walk up to them and say, hey, how are you doing today? Wow, so good to see you. Then what you're really thinking is, I really hate her guts. You know, kind of like this picture here. You know, kind of like, hey, Fred, how's it going? But, yeah, you know, what's, what's going on? behind the back. You know, um, I love Proverbs 27, verse 6, where it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Watch out for that. That's inauthentic. That's not genuine. That's not who we are. And so that means if you've got a problem with somebody, that's one of our core values is pursue peace. If you have a problem with somebody, why not go and make it right? Because, folks, we're not authentic. We're not genuine, and we're not keeping it real if we refuse to make it right with our sisters and our brothers in Christ. Amen? That's part of what this is. That's what this means. You practice what you preach. You give your best, even if no one's looking. You're you're not two-faced. You're humble, not pretentious, Uh, not holier than thou. So, I love this. Proverbs chapter 6. Let me read this to you. It won't come up on the screen. It says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Here they are. Guess what the first one is? Detestable to God. Haughty eyes. You know what the haughty eyes are? When you're looking down your nose and you're like, I'm better than you. You're a sinner. You need to get to church. So you can get straightened out. That's the hot God. God hates pride. I believe, if I understand the Bible correctly, more than anything, it's pride that caused Saint Lucifer to fall. It's pride that caused Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The haughty eyes. 
And then he goes on, he says, a lying tongue has to shed innocent blood, and so on. Proverbs chapter 6. Looking down our nose. And then the last thing is, if we're going to keep it real, folks, we've got to choose to be vulnerable. And that doesn't mean on a Sunday morning you get up at the microphone and you tell everybody every sin you committed that last week. That would be a long service, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, no. But it does mean that around two or three brothers and sisters in the Lord, you can keep it real. That's why I like discipleship triads, where three people can meet and just say, hey, I'm struggling. Last Sunday, Tim Bridges preached a wonderful sermon, and he talked about Thomas, one of the disciples, and he doubted that the Lord had risen from the dead. And Tim, somewhere about two-thirds of the way through his sermon, he shared his own story of struggling with doubt. And he really got real. And I felt like it was appropriate. He, he did it, I think, very, very appropriately. But he, he bore his heart. And, and he was vulnerable in that moment. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, if, if I as a pastor committed a public sin against the church, if I stole or lied or cheated or committed adultery, it would be appropriate for me to get up on the platform just like this and just to confess to the whole congregation. That would be appropriate. But I think for most of us, if your sin is a private sin, you go to the person. If you've sinned or wounded somebody in the middle of a, of a Bible study or a small group, you offended or embarrassed somebody, you should, you should confess that in front of the group because everybody watched it and saw it and heard it. That's being vulnerable. People are looking for that. Where it's not pretentious. We're not pretending to be something we're not. Holier than thou, wearing a mask all the time. People can spot that just like coffee made. So it's not the outward action that's important as much as the inward motive. So Hebrews chapter 4, 13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Is that true? Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. God knows your heart. Hey, you know what? We can fake it in front of each other and maybe get away with it for a time. God knows your heart. He knows your secret sin your secret shame. The church should be a place where we can be real about that. And say, I need help. But, you know, that's why we need to gather in little units of people, two or three, where we can do that. Your Father in heaven sees what is done in secret. He knows you. He knows your heart. He understands your motives. And when you do well, He will reward you. Do you believe that? And is that worth postponing your reward until you meet God in heaven? And say, it doesn't matter if I get noticed, recognized, if I get criticized, if I'm misunderstood, I've done the right thing, I've tried to do the right thing, and I just, I just keep getting criticized and people find fault, I'm going to just keep doing the right thing. Because that's keeping it real. 
So I want us to pray. And then we're going to come out of prayer, and I just want to wind up. Father, help us. Lord, as it says in your word, through the words of the Apostle Paul, we need to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith, to test ourselves. And so I pray, Lord, that you bring us to this place of self-examination, that your Holy Spirit would shine a light in our hearts and expose any dark places, hidden places, things that we're trying to keep secret from others and maybe even think we're keeping it secret from you. Ask yourself, do I joyfully give and do I joyfully serve others even if I don't get recognized or get credit? How do I respond when I'm criticized or my motives are called into question? Do I just feel like I want to give up? Or do I say, you know what, God? You're my witness. It's all for you. Do I pray more frequently in private and just as passionately in private as I do in public? Because I pray to my Father. Is my public praying simply the overflow of my private prayers? When I express my devotion to God, maybe in sacrificial ways like fasting, am I willing to do it without drawing attention to myself or complaining about how heavy the sacrifice is? I do it with joy and gratitude because I, I do it for my Father. And I, I do it for him who gave everything for me. Is there anything that the Holy Spirit has pointed out? Would you just confess it? When you say, Lord, you know my heart. You know my motives. I confess, Lord, that there are times when I've been guilty of hypocrisy, of wearing a mask, of just trying to keep up appearances. Help me, Lord, to keep it real, to be authentic, to be genuine. Help our church, Lord, to be that kind of a place where people will come in and the God is here, And I can feel safe in this place because I know I will not be condemned because I'm a sinner. But I can find a place of refuge. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about what authenticity is not. And... Um, it doesn't mean that you can never allow people to see what you're doing for the Lord. I have sometimes asked people, you know, hey, would you share what the Lord's doing in your life? And they go, well, you know what, I, I, I just don't want to draw attention to myself. Mm -mm. How else are you going to give glory to God? You know what Jesus said? And, and this sounds like a contradiction. He said in Matthew 5.16, in the Sermon on the Mount, 
He said, let your light so shine before people that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow. Like he's saying, they need to see the difference that Jesus makes, but you have to always make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. If I give my best, if I preach the best that I can preach, if I play the guitar and I do the best I can, I do that for Him. I need to do it for Him. God knows the difference, and He'll help us to know the difference. So I'm a little out of sequence here on the slides, but I think Aaron back there can do this. Keeping it real doesn't mean that you always have to speak your mind. Like, I like to just tell it like it is. I tell it like it is. Now, that's not what this means. You know, like this person here. You know, ever been confronted with that? You know, I just tell people what I think because I like to keep it real. No, that's not it. There are times we need to keep our mouth shut, put a guard over our lips because you know what? Some things are better left unsaid at least until we know we can say it in the right spirit. Amen? You know, like Thumper in the Bambi movie, I think, right? If you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. It doesn't mean you have to always wear your heart on your sleeve. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, can, you know, not very good. You know, and I just like... Now, by the way, there's times when that's appropriate. If you've just had a tragedy in your life and you just really need to... But you know, there are times, like I've come to church, and I'm sure Pastor Blaine, you've come to church and sometimes you've had to do ministry and you've had to preach, and maybe you had a headache, you didn't feel very good, you had a tummy ache, maybe you, maybe you were feeling a little blue, and you know what? You, you, you bring your best. That's not being phony. We've got a ministry here, but there's an appropriate place to, to, to do that and maybe wear our heart on our sleeve. And so we don't have to hide everything we're doing from others. Otherwise, we'd have to eliminate public prayers. We'd have to eliminate public preaching. We'd have to eliminate all personal testimonies of how God has worked in our lives because it might sound like we're bragging. No, we don't want to do that because now we just give Satan a victory because we fail to say, you know, God's glory is also displayed in his people. And so I just want to encourage you today as we close out with this final song. I asked Ryan and Steph Sia to do this for us, and I want you to make this a, um, just a, a sanctuary, just where you're seated, and a place where you can bring yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, speak to me and help me, Lord, to be authentic to keep it real. And Lord, if there's any sin in my life, if there's a wrong spirit, a wrong attitude, Lord, would you show me? And so this song is, it's all about you. Let's worship together. It's all about you. Should do.
you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you all.